Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth about eternity. He has given us these incredible empires that we read in history of Syria, Persia, Babylon. The context here is the imperial powers of kingdoms. They end up in Sheol, you understand? Here there's something. There they're nothing. Every one of these nations costs terror here on earth, but death is the ultimate equalizer. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Investments, 401ks, IRAs. What are you doing to prepare for your future? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us on a journey that's designed to help you prepare for your retirement in eternity. Now take a moment and open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 32, for today's Simple Truth study. Ezekiel chapter 32, verses 1 through 32, and the message entitled, Hell and Eternity. And so what we have here is the command to the prophet Ezekiel by God to lament the demise of Pharaoh leading to the casting of the imperial army into hell. An incredible text of the Old Testament. The past glory and downfall of the Pharaoh of Egypt comes first. Verse 1 through 10. Now, notice when you get to the end of verse 2, down to verse 6, you have the abuse of power in the basement of Pharaoh. In verse 2, towards the end, the message to Pharaoh was one of rebuke for his overconfidence and ruthlessness. The Pharaoh was addressed the way he saw himself. It's interesting. He says, and say to him, you are like a young lion among the nations. He saw himself as dominant. The dominant lion, the powerful, victorious ruler. Notice the Pharaoh was informed on the way God saw him. He says, and you are like a monster in the sea. And it's a contrast. Pharaoh and others saw him as this mighty conqueror of nations, a lion, while in reality, he was a monster. As you know, the word monster is dragon, uh, without doubt referring to the crocodile of the Nile. God gave him this identity in chapter 29, verse 3. He's dealing with Egypt. He's dealing with Pharaoh. The Pharaoh, as a crocodile, was indicted by God here, notice, for his abusive power and uncompassionate conduct, bursting forth in your rivers, troubling the waters with your feet, and fouling the rivers. Pharaoh saw himself as able to do whatever he wanted. Power is intoxicating. It's been said that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Notice verse 3 through 6, the message to Pharaoh, therefore, was one of judgment. This is almost identical to chapter 29, verse 3 through 5. Uh, God would use other nations to capture Pharaoh. Thus saith the Lord God, I will therefore spread my net over you with a company of many people, and they will draw you up in my net. Notice it would be God's net, his doing. But he would use king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He's already told us in chapter 31, verse 12 and 13 and other chapters. Notice, secondly, the present glory and conquest by Babylon of Egypt in verses 11 through 16. The instrument of judgment was to be Babylon. Verse 11, the decree was one of permission. Please note that. The sword of the king of Babylon shall come upon you. We read in the book of Revelation regarding the Antichrist and all that goes on. And it was given to him. It was given to him. It was given to him. God is the one who gives permission. 
He gave permission to Satan to come and tempt Job, test him. Babylon was the next nation to be in authority over the nations beginning the time of the Gentiles. Nebuchadnezzar was now the one in present glory, the head of gold, as Daniel told him. Notice the decree involved the sword. Verse 12, by the sword of the mighty warrior, all of them, the most terrible of nations, I will cause your multitude to fall. They shall plunder the pomp of Israel and all its multitude shall be destroyed. They were terrible, vicious, ruthless is the word. Notice the magnitude of the slaughter would be devastating multitudes. The ravages of war would affect the environment. Take note of that. The animal life also, I will uh, destroy all its animals from besides the great waters. Um, the damage would be temporary, though. It says the foot of man shall muddy them no more, nor shall the hooves of the animals muddy them. And then in verse 14, the environment would be restored by God. The river would return to their natural order. Then I will make their waters clear. And then God would bless them. Listen, and make the rivers run like oil, says the Lord God, Yahweh. Oil is indicative of blessing and the Holy Spirit. The event marked clear divine judgment. Look at verse 15, the beginning. When I make the land of Egypt desolate, and the country is destitute of all that once filled it. This was no coincidence. This was not a more powerful empire conquering another one. This is from the perspective of man. Well, United States won World War II because we're more powerful. It got in heaven goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. I understand. We see everything on the human plane. You must get in heaven and look down to get the proper perspective. The judgment had a purpose. Notice the end of 15. When I strike all who dwell in it, then they shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh. That people acknowledge that God was Yahweh, the covenant God, the existing one, the one that is all powerful, all knowing, all present. Wow. A study of history shows that the great civilizations of the world have averaged about 200 years each. Every nation has gone from slavery to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, apathy to dependency, dependency to bondage. America has made that full circle. In 1976, we were 200 years old. In 1962, we stood against God, prayer, the Bible, and everything else. And we started going down. At one time, Spain ruled the world, and it ceased. That's why we have Spanish names all over the world. They left their seed everywhere. Mexico, South America, the Philippines. There's nowhere they didn't touch. Now they're nothing. And the common market is breaking them with the euro. Japan was a nation mighty at one time, but it was decimated in World War II to rubble. England used to boast that the sun never went down in her kingdom. Today, she's limited to her little island. Russia was once feared as a nation, and she gives the appearance that she's been dismantled, but she has not. She has continued to build up, and she will attack Israel, as we will see along with Persia, Turkey, and many of the Balkan nations. All of these nations and others have served the purposes of God. They're not in control. 
Listen to Daniel as he told Nebuchadnezzar as he rebelled and he was proudful and everything. This is uh, uh, when God made him to be as an animal for seven seasons. In Daniel 4.25, uh, he says, They, speaking of the angels, shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times, seven seasons, shall be passed over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. The present glory and conquest by Babylon was prophetic fulfillment seen by all. Notice the last point that he gives to us. Now is the future shame at the descent to hell for the army of Egypt. Notice at the end of verse 18 to 20, the verdict of judgment is given. The sentence to Sheol was deserved and cast them down to the depths of the earth, her and her daughters of the famous nations, those who go down to the pit. And the word pit has the idea of whale, cistern, or dungeon. It is used synonymously with the word Sheol, the place of departed spirits, the underworld at the end of physical death. The context here is the imperial powers of kingdoms, they end up in Sheol. You understand? Here they're something. There they're nothing. Notice in verse 19, their boasting would be in vain and futile in Sheol. Whom do you surpass in beauty? Go down, be placed with the uncircumcised. I mean, it's dumb. It's like going to jail and, and boasting. It'd be ridiculous. This is despite their belief in the afterlife and glory as Pharaoh saw themselves as gods. He got down there and said, oops, it's a bad place to find out you're wrong. Pharaoh in Egypt was stripped of all its pride and glory. She was an equal standing with all in shield. The use of uncircumcised is in a derogatory manner for those of disrepute low social status, the scum of the earth. They were exalting themselves. And here they found themselves with him. Wow, what an eye-opener. Verse 20, their manner of death to enter shield is given to us. It will be in battle. They will fall by the mist of those slain by the sword. It is God's judgment on Egypt. Notice, she is delivered to the sword, drawing her and all her multitudes. This is God's judgment. Look at verse 21 through 30. The company of shield, listen, listen, is the hall of shame. Whoa, the hall of shame. The infamous soldiers and captains are on equal footing. Pharaoh's mighty allies will be with him. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with those who help him. Wow. The idea of the entire section is not individual people and kings, but world kingdom powers. The word for hell is Sheol, the underworld, the place of departed spirits. The word grave sometimes is used in the Old Testament, synonymous with Sheol. But the grave usually identified the place where they bury you in the earth. But it's also used synonymous that you go there, of course, you're going to go to Sheol, the place of departed spirits. Notice they all have arrived at the same place and those they thought themselves superior to. In verse 21, they have gone down. They lie with the uncircumcised, slain by the sword. What an eye-opener. The warriors of Assyria are all present. All have 
passed from the earthly realm. Assyria is there, and all her company with her graves all around her, all of them slain, fallen by the sword. Assyria was used by God to judge the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 B.C. Assyria had been conquered by Babylon in 612 B.C. Notice 23. They intimidate no one in Sheol. Her graves are set in the recesses of the pit, and her company is all around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who caused terror in the land of the living. See, people push their way. They think they're bad here. They shoot their mouth out. Let me tell you, nobody's scared of them in Sheol. It's over. Persia's next, verse 24 and 25. With all her hosts, they bear their shame and shield for their past deeds. Listen, there is Elam, which is Iran today, okay? There is Elam and all her multitude, all around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who have, done, have gone down uncircumcised to the lower parts of the earth. That's another phrase for Sheol. Who caused their terror in the land of the living. Now they bear their shame with those who go down in the pit. This, this whole thing of, of, uh, of, of shame and terror is a common repeated phrase through here. In other words, what happens here does not happen there. What works for you here does not work there. You understand? You don't want to go there. Persia, east of the Tigris, had joined Assyria to fight against Jerusalem in Isaiah's time, Isaiah 22.6. Jeremiah 49 speaks of her often. They terrorize no one in Sheol, as 25 tells them, like the others. They have set their beds in the midst of the slain with all their multitudes, with their graves all around them, all of them uncircumcised, as if they were waiting by their tombs, ready to be honored. And there's no honor. All I believed, all I was taught, bogus? Yep. Wow. Though their terror was caused in the land of the living, yet... They bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. It was put in the midst of the slain. Oh. Then we have the remnant of the old Hittite population, sons of Japheth in Genesis 10-2, Asia Minor, Turkey, that region around there. Verse 26, they are victims like all others. Listen, there's Meshach and Tubal and all their multitudes with all their graves around them, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, though they cause their terrors in the land of the living. There it is again. Common thing. This is the way man works. This is the way man functions on this side. All you have to do is go to the playground and watch the kids. They're little sinners. They're a little bigger. They'll knock the little guy off the swing. No big deal. Look at 27. They're not in the place of honor. They do not lie with the mighty who are fallen of the uncircumcised, who have gone down to hell and their weapons of war they have laid their swords under their heads, but their iniquity will be on their bones because of the terror of the mighty in the land of the living. In other words, the custom was of burying people, these warriors with their weapons. It's still a great honor. But here he shows that all that honor is on this side, on the other side. If we one does not know Christ, we don't get honored down there. Pretty eye-opener, isn't it? Wow. The netherworld, no one's honored. Shame is the case. Look at 28. Pharaoh will likewise lie among the defeated, disgraced and destitute, living in eternal fellowship away from God. Yes, you shall be broken in the midst of the uncircumcised and lie with those slain by the sword. We come to Esau, the descendants that occupied 
modern-day Jordan, that area around Petra was one of their regions. The brother of Jacob, as you know, he despises birthright. Uh, he's here with all his kings and princes. There is Edom, her kings and her princes. And though they were not as prominent, and don't miss this, he has given us these incredible empires that we read in history, Assyria, Persia, Babylon. But these were not big like them, which is another way here of God saying, listen, there's distinction here. But even the little guys, they're on the same plane. It makes no difference. Wow. Last of all, you have the princes of Sidon, the Phoenicians, verse 30. These equally are not prominent as Assyria, Elam, or Meshach, or Tubal. But death is the ultimate equalizer. We've seen the judgment of Tyre, chapter 26, 7, and 8. The city, the commerce, the king. Every one of these nations caused terror on others here on earth. But after death, they're gripped now by the terror of the Lord. Wow. There is a wordplay through the Hebrew enhancing the contrast. The phrase, their shame and their weapons of war. What made them mighty and scary here, bring them shame there. Wow. In the Old Testament, very little was known about the particulars of life after death. It was merely described as the place of departed spirits. Sheol, the place of the abode of departed spirits. The netherworld, both the good and the wicked went there. No specifics were given. This is an open door only on the wicked. But there's no information in the Old Testament about the good, where they're at or anything. We know nothing. It is when we get to the New Testament that Sheol is particularly detailed by Jesus Christ as he gives the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, 19-31. And many call it a parable, but I don't. Because Jesus never gave a parable with personal names. I believe it's a personal, real account. It's not a parable. He used personal names. And he gives us great detail about Sheol of the Old Testament. As you know, the two both were died. Uh, the one was rich, had everything in life. The beggar man had nothing. He was fighting for crumbs from the rich man's table. The dog's licking his sores. And both of them died and were carried, the beggar, to, by the angels to the Abraham's bosom. And the rich man was buried. And he's described in being in the place of torment in Hades. And he lifted up his eyes to Father Abraham who was over, Lazarus was there with him in the bosom of Abraham in comfort. For the first time, man understood that Sheol had a twofold compartment. The place of those being comforted, the place of those in torment. The bosom of Abraham, Hades. The rich man cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip his finger to cool my tongue for I'm burning in torment in these flames, it says in verse 24. He had all senses. He has died. Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's being comforted. You're being tormented. He says you're comforted or you're being tormented. Abraham then said, besides all this, between you and us, there's a gulf a great gulf fix. Once you go there, you can't come here. Once they're here, they can't go there. Very clear in verse 26 of Luke 16. 
The rich man begged Father Abraham that he might send Lazarus to his father's house. He had five brothers, lest they should come to the place of torment. He's pleading for them. Abraham told him, they have Moses the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man responded, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 29, 30. Listen, listen. Abraham told him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. Verse 31. Jesus rose from the dead. People don't believe it. The heart of man is hard. When Jesus died, he descended to the lower parts of the earth, as you know, and preached to those who were there in Sheol, the place of comfort. 1 Peter 3, 19 through 22 tells us that he preached, and Ephesians 4, 8 and 10 says he, he scooped them up and he led captivity captive. In fact, Paul tells us in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, that he was caught up to the third heaven, and he calls it paradise. When he was stoned at Lystra, they thought him to be dead. That's interesting because Paul adds another identity to Shield, a place of comfort. He calls it paradise. Because as Paul was caught up to the third heaven in heaven, you have to think of the words of Jesus, the thief on the cross, in Luke 23, 43. He told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That means when he went down to Shield, the place of comfort was not only the bosom of Abraham, the place of comfort, but it was called paradise. And as he scooped it up, Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says that Jesus spoiled principality and powers, all those wicked angels, they could not hold him, and he led all those to heaven. So now paradise is in heaven, the third heaven where God dwells. The first heaven is where the birds fly. The second heaven is a stellar heaven. The third heaven is where God dwells. And so the minute a Christian dies, he is instantly present before the Lord in the third heaven in paradise, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. If you die without Christ, you're instantly present in torment. In Sheol or Hades, it's the same place. One compartment now instead of two. But it's not the final abode. There's what's called Gehenna, which is the ultimate place of damnation for all eternity. Gehenna comes from the Valley of Tophet, as you know, where they offered their children to the fire god Molech. A place where the worm never dies, Jesus says, and the fire is never quenched. Stop and think about that. How can it be utter darkness with the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies? Gnashing of teeth. Matthew 5, 22, 29, and 30, and many other portions. The final judgment of the white throne judgment in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, is for all those who die without Christ. They go to Hades right now, or Sheol. They're in torment. And after the thousand years, they're all brought up before God, not for a second chance, but the judge sentenced them. They're already judged. Now they're going to be sentenced. And they're cast in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you what's going to happen if you don't know Jesus Christ. These are the words of Jesus. This is the lament of Pharaoh with his imperial army as they were cast down to hell. The past glory and downfall of the Pharaoh of Egypt was a warning to all. Pay heed if you don't know Christ. The present glory and conquest by Babylon of Egypt was prophetic fulfillment seen by all. And the future shame at the descent to hell for the army of Egypt was experienced by all. Incredible passage. Hell and eternity. 
be there? I hope not. I pray not. Jesus has made all provisions for you to go to heaven. Pastor Xavier Reese with an invitation to enter the gates of heaven, one that's available to all who ask for the key. Now, today's message, Hell and Family, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Hell and Family, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What does grace look like? Take a look when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 